It's the Score North Twin Show. Boys, I think it's officially baseball season now. It's it's also yep. still hockey season and basketball season, but like Super Bowl is over. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we're not going to be on the daily, uh, you know, hunt for reckless speculation on Purple Daily, but football season's over and pitchers and catchers have reported for the Twins in Fort Myers. So it's it's baseball season. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited. I love this time of, of year when we're about to head into the perhaps the best sports month that there is, March. March is a blast, man. Yeah. I Even before that. you get to March Madness, which I don't know. It's not quite what it used to be. But it's still fun, though. But Absolutely. NFL free agency. Yep. You got uh, playoff hockey and basketball on the horizon. Yep. It's more more of an April thing. And you got baseball. So let's uh, let's dive into a couple things on today's Score North Twin Show, including their latest move. Man, they've been on a little streak here of making a move every two or three days. You had Carlos Santana last week, Jay Jackson. And over the weekend, the Twins trade former, what, number five overall pick, Nick Gordon, who had a bunch of injury things last year. So they trade him to the Marlins for 32-year-old left-handed reliever Stephen Okert, I believe it's pronounced. Okert. Three years of team control on Okert, even though he's, he's a little older. So, But uh, he was out of options, not that he would have needed any because he's been a really good reliever for the Marlins the last two or three years. And Nick Gordon was out of options and really with no solidified place to play. I mean, like super utility would have been sort of the high bar mark for what he could contribute. But right. what did you guys think of this trade when you saw it come across the wire? I think it's a good trade because to what you were just saying, I think Nick Gordon didn't really have a place like maybe he did, but yeah. you know, he was hurt for the majority of 2022 um, and I, I do like the fact that I feel like the Twins have created a numbers game in the bullpen that's going to just flat out lead to competition now. So you're not going to have to settle for, oh, my God, we got to call this guy back up from, from the Saints. Um, and I, I also really like the fact that this guy is a southpaw. So now if he makes the roster, you've got mm-hmm. two guys with experience, Theobar and Okert, who you probably can trust. Yeah. Uh, I see this as a as a win-win. It's not like it's going to be a steal of a trade, but I think it definitely again solidifies an area that we probably cuz it's not it's not, you know, sexy, but if you don't have a good bullpen, you're probably screwed. And it feels like the Twins have built up a lot of depth and have a good bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, Okert gives them another lefty option that is big for them, and he had big strikeout numbers. K percentage is really good. His hard hit rate percentage, according to Baseball Savant, was also pretty dang good. And to Judd's point, the Twins' plan here, because we, we, you could make a case the Twins need another starter, right? Like, they could use another even front-line guy to just bolster that rotation. Yep. But then I went down a path on the 2015 Royals, a really good Royals team that obviously won the World Series. That had a killer bullpen right you had wade davis in his prime greg holland was um awesome for them kevin herrera was good they had actually the i looked this up too in 2015 they had the most innings pitched from their bullpen in the american league and their starters by the way this was their these were this was their starting rotation on a world series team just in terms of guys who made the most starts them edison volquez who was really good pitched 200 innings for him he was 
Jordano Ventura, who was looked like he was going to be a nasty pitcher. He's been he like flamed he, out of baseball by 26. He was awesome that year, right? Yeah, really sure. good that year. Yeah. But he only pitched 160 innings. Jeremy Guthrie had like an ERA near six, and they were trotting him out there 25 times like, uh, in the season. Danny Duffy, another like kind of swing man that isn't really anything special. They did make a huge trade for Johnny Cueto, which actually didn't really come. They didn't get the best version of Cueto. They got their World Series, so probably still worth it. And they made a Ben Zolbrich trade. But the, the moral of the story is that team was built on an awesome offense and an incredibly good bullpen that had a pretty lackluster starting rotation. I would actually say the Twins 2023 rotation is still as of now better than that Royals rotation. But you have a ton of options in the bullpen. A ton. Where probably one of these two guys, Doogie kicked this idea around, like Louis Varlin might start the season in St. Paul because there's guys that are out of options and he might end up just being built up as a starter that goes back to the bullpen. So I love this. I, I think this is actually, in lieu of getting another starting pitcher, this is actually a really good backup plan by the Twins. Yeah, so the the Varlin thing, we can we can have that conversation too. <sighs> They're they're gonna use him as a starter in spring training because it doesn't you can't really do it the other way around. You can't have him, okay, you work out as a one or two inning burst guy, and then oh crap, we need you to ramp it back up. So he's gonna ramp up as a starter almost certainly in spring training. But if they yeah, if they get to opening day, and right now I think they're starting five, and it's and I they do need another starter at some point if they want to win the World Series and go and and you've got between now and the trade deadline, but Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, Chris Paddock, those four guys are locks if they're healthy. And then the veteran, Anthony DiSclafani, probably penciled in. It's probably a battle between him and Varlin for that fifth spot. But if, to me, if in a perfect world, DiSclafani is good enough to hold it down for a few months until you trade for a playoff rotation guy. And then I can put Varlin in the bullpen throwing 99 miles an hour, right? Mm-hmm. But then again, like if you start Varland off as a starter, he pitches well in spring training. Maybe he even dominates AAA for a few weeks. See what he looks like as a starter. They have, I think, the bullpen. So Duran is your closer, obviously, one of the best in baseball. Brock Stewart, Griffin Jacks, Justin Topa, more of a, a ground ball guy. Jay Jackson, Josh Stamont, who if he reverts back to the guy he was a couple years ago, big strikeout pitcher. And then Caleb Theobar, reliable lefty. Steven Okert, reliable lefty. Those are kind of your eight right now. But you also have, you know, Cody Funderburk is sitting in there as an interesting lefty. Simeon Woods Richardson as a prospect. So they've got, they don't have like 13 surefire things between their bullpen and starting rotation, but they have a lot of really interesting pieces and some veteran relievers who've been really good in their early 30s. So. I know there's been a lot of chatter. We can get into this too during the show, but there's been a lot of chatter about the reduction in payroll. And I think a lot of twins fans feel, man, they just won a playoff series for the first time in 20 years. Let's crescendo this thing. And it feels like, boy, they stripped the payroll down 25 or $30 million. And people are kind of down on this team. I'm with Declan. I actually, I I like this bullpen right now. Mm -hmm. I think there's room to say that like the rotation is interesting and you still need one more starting pitcher at some point, but I do not hate where this roster is at right now going into spring training. Oh. I've, got, I've got a feeling that we are going to get a spring training trade for a starter or a signing. This, these guys have operated in March a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a feeling that we're going to get something. And I, I will say it's intriguing because there's still guys out there as well. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's guys just floating out there. And at some point in time, like you've got to go or you should go to spring training. Like it doesn't behoove you to be, be like, I'll sign in April or May. So I, I just have a feeling that, that we're still going to get one more uh, impact move for a starter. Along with what you're talking about with the fans, one is it's a baseball problem, which is the winter sucked. Like, no, like, like I, I don't blame fans who are like excited about, hey, it's the winter. It's a hot stove, right? And we jo- joked about this. Now, if you ultimately make moves, it's fine. But I do think that there is just a, a nature of the offseason baseball, which really across the board for lots of fan bases disappoints now. Um, and the only place, the only place that I'm, I'm curious about and somewhat concerned about still is actually more so center field. So that's my one. I just, I think you got to build in something. Um, I don't, I don't think it's smart to say if Byron Buxton, if Buxton, and then, oh my God, I'm shocked April 15th and, and he has to go on the IL and now what? Willie Castro is your center fielder. So I would like to see them solidify that, but I have a feeling we're going to get a trade or a move for a starting pitcher who's going to slot into the rotation at some point hmm. next month. But they could, I mean, they could still easily sign Michael A. Taylor back for absolutely a few million. He's absolutely. not going to make $20 million, right? So but but the question is, would he come back knowing that he is no longer the starting center fielder? He would to start the year anyways. After say, three games, he might be. But I mean, if you look at Buxton's history, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good gamble that a guy like Taylor, if he comes back, is going to play significantly. But I do think that there is just an overall letdown among baseball fans that I totally get that the winter months have just turned so dormant. Yeah. Even if they don't make another move here. So here's the the latest AL Central win totals on FanDuel, just to give you a glimpse of like where the market thinks the Twins are at. All right, they uh they sit at eighty six and a half wins on FanDuel right now. And what did they win last year? Like eighty six, eighty eight, maybe. Like, uh, twins. Yeah. It wasn't ninety. It was no. uh, is eighty seven. So they won. They won eighty seven games last year. So Twins are at eighty six and a half. Tigers are at eighty and a half. And then Guardians seventy eight and a half. Royals seventy three and a half, White Sox sixty three and a half. Basically, just waving the white flag down there. Unbelievable. There are six teams, uh, five teams in the American League with a higher win total right now. Yankees at ninety three and a half. They are number one. Hmm. Astros at ninety two and a half. Orioles at ninety one and a half. Rangers eighty nine and a half. Blue Jays eighty seven and a half. So they're they're pretty much right there next to the Blue Jays is like the fifth best projected record in the American League without making any other move. So it all also depends too, like, can they continue to beat up on a really bad division and can they milk a lot more wins from that? Yes, they're going to hammer that. Like, just to answer your question, they will they will get over that, that total. That's That should be no problem for them. But can they le- legitimately win like 95 games? Because like that's kind of a good barometer of like, hey, this team's obviously for real. They won a crap ton of games. Baltimore popped up last year, won a hundred games. I know, I know the Yankees are trying to compete with them too. I would actually argue Baltimore is probably still the better team in that division. But regardless, on the twin side of things, if they can continue to beat up on a horrible division, and but you know, just compared to the Royals again in 2015, the Twins finished second place that year in that division. Like that division also stunk, and the Royals just 
ran over every single team in the route to a World Series. So the path is there. You don't have to be in a super uber competitive division like the AL East and say, all right, well, we're the best team with the juggernaut, so we're going to walk our way to the World Series. They just have to beat up on this really, really bad AL Central team. But I, I I do agree though that like they aren't on the level of the Yankees and no, the Orioles and if, and yeah. ideally they get there. But I think I don't know. I'm I'm in kind of chill mode right now that they've another thing that's not really baked into this equation is what if Royce Lewis and Carlos Correa play a full healthy season? Because I guarantee you, what's bringing down the eighty six and a half from maybe like a ninety and a half or a ninety two and a half is oh well Correa had a down year last year. We know it was because of an injury that is now healed. And Royce Lewis got hurt again and missed a huge chunk of the season, which he has not played a healthy season in full in a long time. So, you know, I think you can bake those in safely. But if Royce Lewis and Carlos Correa play, I don't know, 290 games between those two dudes, this is almost certainly a 90-win team that can compete and and win playoff series. Yeah, I I mean, if... Everyone stays healthy and hits their upside. It's pretty good because if Julian d- doesn't slump, like he looked completely legit, he belonged. So if, if he builds on that, right? Uh, another question is this: Assuming he is not going to be traded, and I'm going to assume for now he's not, are you going to get Max Kepler April until July 1st, or are you going to get Max Kepler July 1st on? Because mm-hmm. I mean, there is a gap that is very wide there. Kirilov. I, my biggest concern is actually injuries um, and, and not based on fluke things, but based on reality, which is Kirloff, Buxton, Lewis, and then Correa. I'm not as concerned about because I think that was probably a one-off thing, but the other three have a pattern. And so yeah. that's my biggest thing is if those guys can consistently play and on Buxton, I think that's a huge if um, that's my biggest question mark. Well, and obviously you can hope is not a strategy as we talk about on these shows, but if if there's a universe where all these guys we're talking about are healthy and perform at even like the 80th or 85th percentile that they each can. So Buxton, and again, that is a pipe dream to this point. And Correa and Royce Lewis, Alex Kirloff, when he is dialed in, That's another is big one. a yep. pure natural hitter. Yep. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about one of the best teams in baseball, one of the best offenses in baseball, if, again, if, 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 if all those right. things happen. So exactly. how are they guarding? It's hard, it's, it's hard to guard against some of this stuff because you can only have so many dudes on your roster in backup roles. Like, you're only going to have 12 or 13 position players. So, like, you need these. You're not just going to have Royce Lewis and Byron Buxton go down and plug in an all-star to replace them. So they're banking on health much more than a lot of these other teams, I think. And if, if it was one guy, like if this entire conversation was Buxton, right? Then it's like, okay, it's a gamble, but Kirloff has played 145 consistently. Yeah. And Royce has played, you know, that's the thing is like some of your most important players have an injury history that's concerning. So like that's where it pivots from uh, doom and gloom if it's just one guy to, no, this is a legit concern because to your point, your depth behind those guys is not all going to be as good. And I feel like Kirloff has sort of been written off a bit because he's just been hurt so much that we forget that when this guy came up, 
I mean, if if this guy at the plate can be who he is consistently, it's a hell of a hitter. Yeah, he's he's a badass. Yeah. Yeah, the trap door you also, I think, Twins fans probably fall into is, so Kirloff, Walner, Julian, these guys all came up and had a hell of a second half of the year. Yep. Well, now there's a scouting report on them, and now there's going to be regression probably to a degree. Like, you can't just assume that, Matt Walner is going to have a thousand OPS again against, you know, yeah. right-handed pitching and be the dominant hitter. He was, you know, you can't assume that Julian might actually not be able to draw as many walks and maybe he's swinging, uh, swinging out of the zone a lot more. So yes, it was awesome to see those three guys for like the first time have a core player, just like the twins did in the early two thousands kind of come up leading the playoffs, fighting the playoffs a little bit, but it's not a guarantee that just all of them take again, the significant step forward that was expected from their rookie year. In fact, you could probably make a case it's prob- there probably is going to be regression of their numbers in 2024. But here, but here's another thing on the other side. I feel like I'm just being Mr. Uh, like uh, defend the twins guy here, but we write off young players so quickly. A guy makes his major league debut. He struggles for a year or two. And then it's like, that guy's garbage, right? Forget about that guy. But usually if a guy is a first round pick and mashed in the minor leagues, like, not usually, but there's a lot of instances where it might just take him a couple stops and starts. Mm-hmm. Trevor Larnick, for instance. Yep. Trevor Larnick was, was he, he was a top 10 pick, right? He was the, well, he was the 20th overall pick, I guess, in 2018. And Trevor Larnick at different periods has absolutely conquered AAA pitching. He has, yep. he has mashed AAA pitching a couple different stints. And you've seen him show some flashes in the major leagues too, where, wow, that dude can, that dude can hit a little bit. No one's talking about Trevor Larnett going into this season. Right. But is it possible that a 26-year-old former first-round pick who's conquered the minor leagues and had some health issues that, like, all of a sudden he clicks and he's a 25-30 home run guy? You know, I'm just... And Walner... Jose Miranda. Yeah. Jose Miranda is another dude where, boy, that guy has mashed in the minors, came up, showed a flash. You know, just because they struggled their first or second stint in the majors doesn't mean they're done and cooked. So keep an eye on those guys. And regression's going to happen like that. It's sports. Like some, some guys will thrive and some guys will surprise by not. That's why my big, my biggest thing is your core cannot have injury problems. Like that's my thing. Like you're just, you're screwed if the injury problems continue because like, I, I think that you can have, I think there's, leeway to allow for that you know let's say walner and julian might take some steps back but then phil to your point kirloff and larnick actually come on and play well um but you know buxton and lewis and kirloff to me become the absolute key guys because we know that when they when they're healthy and playing they're really good and they're at ages now where they should be playing like they're they're not at ages where you you expect regression so I'm with you 100% on young guys in baseball. It's what's going to happen. Yeah. Hey, where do you guys stand on? So right now, if the season started today, the Twins will have knocked off like $27, $28 million in payroll, or maybe closer to $30 million in payroll year over year. And they will have gone from 16th in Major League payroll last year to 19th. So a lot of teams have... Yeah, I was going to say that's a reduced spending. There's still yep. some players to maybe be signed here. Not yep. maybe there will be some players signed, but how do you feel like how rippable are the poll ads for going from 16th to 19th in payroll 
and reducing you know twenty five to thirty million dollars overall in payroll. I need to tell opening day because I'm not convinced that the payroll now is going to be the payroll on opening day. Um, I think they're I think they're rippable, but it's it's a whole baseball thing, right? Like this is the whole cable and satellite and streaming, and you know. Manfred is talking now about, well, we're going to have a real plan in place for 2025. You guys are supposed to be geniuses enough to have seen some things coming. Like it feels yeah. like baseball was caught by surprise by an, an industry that's been crumbling as bad as newspapers for five years. So like, it's not like the RSNs were all thriving a year ago and like, ah, yeah, we're doing great. And then it, it was the great depression. So yes, I think the twins are, open for criticism here but my bigger picture is baseball is like what what were you doing internally where you didn't have like at least some semblance of a plan and it's like i think the padres and diamondbacks are going to be streamed only this year baseballs had to step in for the rockies Mm -hmm. to help them because they they couldn't have a a plan yeah but but my point is i i don't give them a pass like baseball as a whole needed to have some type of plan here. And it's like, oh, we got taken by surprise. And the fact that the Twins only have gone from 16th to 19th is a clear indication of what a league-wide problem this is. Like the Twins have trimmed significant payroll and they've only dropped three spots. Mm-hmm. So I think a couple things. Um, yes, they could still maybe go and get a splash, whether that's a trade or a signing, and that would that would bolster the payroll a little bit. The PR side of it's just a little unfortunate and awkward because you have a whole not just twins fans i think hardcore twins fans like yes there are some that that some that rip the poll ads and rip the cheap spending but you had a collection of minnesota sports fans who kind of watched the twins from afar who are now seeing a successful season that they had and not do anything with it in fact you're doing the opposite you're, you're not spending as much right but i will say to defend what the twins are doing here we just listed a bunch of core players and Royce Lewis and Carlos Correa and Matt Walner and Edward Julian and Alex Kirloff. They have a core roster that's honestly pretty finished. So were you expecting them to go out and and find four or five guys and give a bunch of money because they had numerous yeah. holes on their roster? So, yes, it's awkward. I don't like it. I would love for them to go out. Dude, go sign Blake Snell, and I'm talking World Series with this team. I'm dead serious. But yeah. It, 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 they didn't also didn't have a lot of areas where they had like the Royals are spending because they were so GD bad that like we got to fill out this roster and we need to be a little bit better competitive. So we'll throw out all these dollars. But the Twins didn't have all these holes where like they had to f- just absolutely fill with a bunch of money and free agency. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I think I think the narrative or at least the the, the reaction is different if they bring Sonny Gray back. Oh, for, God, yeah. What was different. his contract? Was it three years? Three years. It was like 20 per, I think, or something. Yeah, 60-something, I thought. Three years, $75 million. Okay. So $25 million. Totally different. And, and that would have put them like back into the top half of the league. Payroll-wise, it would have it would have essentially had them breaking even from year to year, even though maybe the, the family and the company takes a loss because they're without a huge chunk of this TV revenue. But I also could listen to the argument that I'm not sure that a three-year, $75 million contract for Sonny Gray coming off a career. I don't know that you should be paying dudes in their mid-30s off of a career season. You're almost certainly going to see some regression. Like, I mean, it's not my money, so I'm sure. Like, if it's Sonny Gray or Anthony uh, DeSclafani in my rotation, I'd rather have Sonny Gray. Don't get me wrong. Right. But um, 
I do I do still wonder though because a couple years ago Scott Boris didn't didn't get what he wanted with Carlos Correa and he said, "Hey, Twins, can I use you guys for a minute? Uh, if if you can well, pay my client 35 right. million dollars, could something similar happen cuz isn't Boris represents Snell, right? I just wonder if there's not some deal like that sitting out there. Jordan Montgomery is also still a free agent, right? Good yep. left-handed starting pitch, not not as dominant as Snell, but he's still hoping to go back to Texas. But they're in the RSN jackpot too. Yeah, yeah, I I do think that what Montgomery and Snell and that entire group of guys that remain available have to come to terms with is this ain't changing. Like there's no RSN deal that's going to solve a problem now. And I've I've been told that what the twins are taking a cut on, uh, from the fifty five million that they made a year ago is m- probably more like twenty percent than fifteen percent. So like that's true of the entire league. So like if Snell Snell try or Boris tried to use the Yankees to to get a, a huge contract, and the Yankees who have their own RSN and are in great shape said no. Like once once they said no, and the Dodgers clearly are, you know tapped out basically so i gotta think that they're going to have to settle which is where your scenario makes perfect sense because a year from now there might be more clarity here yeah but it is funny like to your point we'll wrap this episode here because you gotta we gotta go you gotta talk to roycey for roycey and chain okay but like it is rob manfred he's you know he's always like one iteration of technology behind you know like he's the guy that is still like using a CD player in his SUV from 10 years ago or something. Shuffle. He's like he's disco- discovering cord cutting for the first time in 2024. Did you guys know that if you get YouTube TV, you can't watch 14 different teams games. It's crazy. It's like, dude, <laughs> well, like this has been a problem for baseball for how long now? And it's getting progressively worse. And, and now we're, we're to critical mass and baseball's like, I don't know what we're going to do. I know that's I not know. an answer. I know, but hey, the Twins are still, according to the markets here, a handful of games between the Twins' projected record and the second-place team in the division. They've got some interesting players here. So I guess, I don't know, we all kind of agree that, hey, there's a move or two left here at some point, but pretty When spring training starts, even an old curmudgeon like me finds it difficult to be surly about baseball. There's something magical about You didn't cover the 2012 Twins, I take it. I think that was my first year at the station. I think I did. It's your first full year. Yeah, you were down there for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it was tough yeah. to be optimistic. No, but, but generally I mean, speaking, yeah. Yeah. The sunshine, you the, the baseball, it's great. Crack of the bat. Yep. I'm just trying to be positive. I'm just trying to be positive about something, okay? Uh, we agree. We're all agreeing. It's positive. All right. That's a wrap on the Scorner Twin Show here. Thanks for hanging out with us. Please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We can keep growing this show. We brought it back for the second half last year, and it's full steam ahead going into 2024. We'll see you guys later this week as we round out the top 25 twins of all time. Oh, yeah.